The following audio is from Foundation Life Bible Church. More information about Foundation Life is available at www.foundationlbc.com. Good morning. Good to be with you and our Lord Jesus. And we just sang those beautiful words that our Lord is worthy. Think about what the Spirit has done in each one of our lives. As we look around this room, a testimony of who Jesus is. And here's what's true. I wasn't looking for Jesus, and you weren't looking for Jesus. But the Spirit of God did a mighty work in every one of us. And He is worthy. And guys, we don't deserve it. Thank you to all of us who are joining today online, whatever, whatever avenue. And as Conrad said, even if you're on replay, we're glad that you're here and joining us and excited to sit under and listen to the Word of God. Um, So we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4. And I had hoped to finish Jonah chapter 4, but that's not going to happen. And that's okay. So we're going to look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. But I'm going to go ahead and read um, the whole thing to us. But I want to remind you... And just to think about how this went this week. Did you cover your times with others in prayer? Did you speak to the Lord in your conversations with others? We just sang that we're priests of God. That we've been given the message of reconciliation. And we need to do that. And we need to do that regularly so that our conversations aren't wasted, so that they're fruitful. And speaking candidly, there were times when I was really able to walk in that, and other times where I was at the church of me. And so we just have to continue over and over again to press into the Lord, to confess, to admit to Him where we are. Let me remind you today that today, this morning, is Communion Sunday. So if you don't have your cup and your bread, it's on the back table. Please feel free to grab that if you're at home and you want to prepare um, that. You'll have time to do that. We'll do that at the end of service. Um, but I want to invite you um, in that. But what an exciting thing to be able to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord next week. So Jonah, this week, we take a break. Next week, we focus on and worship our Lord and His resurrection. And then the following week, I believe we will finish Jonah. So, understanding that the Spirit of God is always at work, and it doesn't matter what goes on up here or goes on our time, we need the Spirit of God. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is at work when we're in His Word. We believe that the Holy Spirit is at work when we're gathered in His name. And so we believe that today. We believe if you're listening, we believe that you're here. This is the Spirit's work. It's Him that does it. And we trust that. But our Lord makes touches. Sometimes we refer to those touches as His still, small voice. You've heard that before, haven't you? The still, small voice of God. But the Scripture says that you and I are partakers of divine nature. We are privileged to be one 
in Christ Jesus. What a truth that is. And through the Holy Spirit, the, He graciously, the Lord lives through us. He graciously teaches us, counsels us. And here's what's true. Sometimes I'm aware of that still small voice. And sometimes my flesh is too involved where I'm oblivious to what the Lord is doing. But we know that primarily he speaks to us through the truth, through his word. These words are alive. They're sharper than a two-edged sword. And in fact, it's through this word that he's constantly changing us. For the rest of the time here on earth, if you are in Christ Jesus, know that your position is saved, but you are being saved. I'm being saved. We're being made like Jesus. Even through the process of falling short of the glory of God, the Lord is continuing to sanctify us. Jesus prayed this for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said this, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, that through the truth, through our Bibles, through the Scripture, the Spirit would set you and I apart, would give us a new mind, would make us new to the glory of Jesus. So let's do this. Let's stop and let's pray and ask the Spirit of God to do that work in us today. Father, as we think about Israel, as we think about the Jewish people, as we think about them crying out, Jesus, as you rode into the city, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But Jesus, we see a picture of you before you go into the city weeping. Weeping over your children. Weeping over the ones that you had chosen. And God, your words hit us. You said, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you. Like a mother hen would gather her chicks, but you were unwilling. And God, we acknowledge that we were unwilling except for your spirit intervened. And we thank you for that. Lord, we trust that as your word is opened and we sit under your word, we sing to you, we pray to you, we gather in your name that your Holy Spirit is at work. We rely on that promise. We cling to that promise. And we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this chapter, chapter 4, is going to give, give us a look into Jonah's heart. You know, we read chapter 3, there's a great revival. God moved mightily in a whole city. So we think in chapter 4, Jonah might be throwing a party with Nineveh, right? But we find something very differently. He's not. He's still wrestling with the same thoughts and bitterness toward Nineveh. But as we look at Jonah's heart, my prayer today is that as we surrender to the work of the Spirit, that this passage would serve as a mirror to us.
Because I think if we allow it to, we'll see that this reflects much of our lives, even in the past week, probably in the past day. And here's what I think we, should, we would say. When you and I forget our identity, when we forget who we are in Christ Jesus, when we walk in the flesh and not in the spirit, when we are thinking in our natural minds, and we all do that, we think with our natural minds, we too will respond just like Jonah. So let's take a look and see how he responded and see if that mirror looks back at us, that reflection looks back at us. So chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, but we're just going to look at verses 1 through 5, or concentrate on that today, but I want to read the whole thing. So here we go, chapter 4 of Jonah. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant, for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. So what a scene we had last week. The greatest revival in human history took place in a pagan city, Nineveh. Tell me that is not the work of the Spirit of God. All, this is amazing, all were moved by God's warning from Jonah. Everyone. And from the least to the greatest, all repented. They had a change in mind, a change in heart, and a change in action the work of the Lord and trusted in the living God. They humbled themselves. And what did God do? God in his mercy, just like he's done with us, withheld his wrath. Praise God. Instead of getting me, he got Jesus. He got Jesus, man. Okay. So because God did not bring his wrath on Nineveh, how did Jonah respond? He was beside himself. 
belligerent, angry. Look what it, look what it says in verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. So this reminds me of an experience I had um, a few years back when we used to wait in waiting rooms. Remember those days when you wait in waiting rooms and the doctor at the dentist office? Not so much anymore. Maybe you have. When I was just there, we didn't. But there was a little boy that was in there, and he was a spirited, strong-willed little boy. And it was him and his mom. And his mom was working on something on the computer, but he was down on the floor banging his toys together. I mean, just banging cars together and playing with his action figures and making these gun sounds, right? Everybody knows what that's like, okay? So he was excited until one of his action figures would not fit in the vehicle he had. He was not happy, would not fit. So he went from the top and he tried to put that guy in there. He tried to straighten his feet, right? Move his hands, but then it won't go. So then he slammed it down, right? So then he's like, okay, I'll try from the side. So then he tried to go from the side door and put that figure in there. But guess what? It wouldn't go. He could just kind of lay it down in there, but he was so mad because he wanted to put that figure behind that steering wheel and it would not go. Okay. So he was so frustrated and he continued to try from every angle. And his mom finally looked up and said, honey, I know you want that man to go into that vehicle, but he's not going to fit. The man that goes in that vehicle, you left at home. Do you think he bought that? No way. He continued to try to force that thing in the vehicle. That man is getting in the vehicle, right? And he pushed it down and it never went in. And finally, he just grunted and he yelled and he threw the car, right? And he was in trouble. Okay? But why do I say that? I say that because that's what Jonah is doing here. He wants God to fit in his box. How many of us want God to fit in our box? Yes, in our flesh, we do. We have to admit that. Once God would not conform to what Jonah wanted him to be, how he wanted him to think, how he wanted him to act, what did he do? He got angry and he threw a pity party, didn't he? He threw a pity party. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God does not conform to who I want him to be. He does not. God does not conform to who I want him to be. And we all need to be reminded of this because in the flesh... Do you and I want God to fall in line with our thinking? Do we want him to operate how we operate? The bottom line is this. When I'm in my natural mind, I want Jesus to be about me because it's simple. I'm about me, right? You're about me, Lord, because I'm about me. Isn't that who you are, God? Isn't that your character? And here's what this book does. Now, I believe Jonah repented. But what this book teaches us is there's no evidence in chapter four that he laid down this bitterness. There's no sign that this hate in his heart for Nineveh ever stopped. We touched on this for weeks. But remember, from Jonah's eyes, Nineveh was not worthy of what we just read in chapter four, verse two about God. Israel 
was worthy of that grace. Nineveh was not. And Jonah could not get over, and believe me, I get it, he could not get over how these people had brutally and violently dealt with Israel. This was Israel's enemy. And I get it, because in my flesh, the last thing I want to see is those that have wronged me, and I have to admit this before the Lord, or cut me deeply to be saved, to be changed by God. I have to be in the spirit to be in that place. I mean, think about it. Who has betrayed you? Who has wounded you? Who has sinned against you deeply where you still feel the effects of, those, of that sin? We're all on both sides of the coin there. Would we rejoice if God saved them? Would we welcome them in our flesh into the body of Christ? For us to have that heart, to see our enemies saved, is a miracle. It's a miracle. Flesh wants revenge. Flesh holds on to bitterness. Flesh allows thoughts to fester, to cook in us, right? The only way we walk in this freedom is a work of the Spirit is what we talked about this morning in our class. We've got to cling to the statutes of the Lord. We've got to hold fast to the scriptures. And it begins with you and I putting off the natural mind and thinking what? Thinking the thoughts of God. I have to think the thoughts of God. Not a one-time thing, but it's a continual thing, isn't it, church? To consistently, over and over and over again, renew my mind. Because those thoughts are going to creep in there. Now think about with me for a moment. What do you think that was like in the circles? And we've seen chosen, some of us. When, when Jesus chose Matthew to be part of the twelve. A tax collector a traitor, the scum of the earth. I mean, this guy was responsible for the oppression and murder of their people. Do you think the disciples open, welcomed him with open arms? I don't think so. No way. No way. And do you not in your flesh still, can you relate to me on this? Do you not sometimes think about things in the past that have made you angry? and you relive them again. Anybody else do that? Is that just me? Yeah, absolutely, right? And it's almost like it's happening to you fresh in that moment. That's what the flesh does. That's what sin does in me. And it's only through the Spirit that I can overcome this. It's only the Lord doing this in me. Because in the flesh, I have no chance. We have to understand that's who we are. We got to think like the Lord. We got to think like the Lord. So it's a dangerous game to entertain these thoughts. It's a dangerous game to relive that because it has a propensity to grow in me and to ultimately do what? Callous my heart. Make my heart hard. And I want my heart to be soft so the Lord can work. 
It's not God conforming me. It's not me molding God. Do you ever sometimes think you're molding God? We're not. God's molding us. God's changing us. Shall the clay say to the potter, do this? No way. No way. Right? So we know this about Jonah. Jonah had the word of God hidden in his heart. What did he quote in his prayer in chapter 2? What scripture? What was it? The Psalms, right? He quoted the Psalms. He cried out to the Lord and the fish. His worship was quoting the Psalms. And his understanding of the scripture was right on track. I mean, just look at verse 2, right? It teaches us he knew God. It teaches us he knew his character. Look what it says. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? Did I not tell you, Lord, this is exactly what you would do? I knew it. I knew it, Lord. I knew you'd do this to these awful people, right? This is why I left. This is why I refused to go east. This is why I went west. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And Lord, I'm not okay with that. I think you're wrong here, right? So Jonah not only knew these things about God, but guys, did he not experience these things? Did he not walk in these things? Did he not live in these things? Talk about short-term memory loss, right? What just happened here? Okay, Jonah... God called Jonah, go east. Jonah went west. God sent a storm. God revealed Jonah's heart. Jonah was not willing to surrender. He was not willing to pray, but his sin was laid bare. And then what happened? He was tossed into the sea. And in the midst of his drowning, he finally cried out to the Lord. He finally surrendered. His circumstances were desperate enough that he pleaded with the Lord to rescue him. And what did God do? God sent a fish. Love of God, mercy of God, grace of God, all over this story. God pursued Jonah in his disobedience. Jonah sinned and God saved. Death had Jonah in its grasp and the Lord rescued him from those jaws. Amazing. Here is Jonah's mindset. See if, see if we line up with this in our flesh. When you are gracious to me, when you are gracious to Israel, I'm on board with that, Lord. You and I are good. And when I fall into sin, when my people sin, God, be merciful. Be gracious to us. Pour out your love on your people. But God, by all means, get Nineveh. I'm here to watch this. I need you to get Nineveh. Get them. Lay the hammer down. Fire and brimstone. Whatever it takes, God, bring it. Bring it, right? Look at verse 5. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Why does traffic stop most of the time on the interstate? Rubbernecking. Rubbernecking. That's right. Right? 
And usually, even if it's across the lane, don't we all stop and look? And then we complain about everybody else doing it, and we do the same thing, right? So we drive by, we slow down, we have to see what's going on. We have to see, well, Jonah was here to see God pour out his wrath. He was disappointed, but that's what he wanted, right? And so often, don't we do the same? Tell me if this is you in the car, okay? You're the person that cuts the person off at the mall in the parking lot. All right, got it? That's you. Not the other person, it's you, okay? Got the picture? All right, do you ever do this? Oh, sir, don't get in a tizzy. It's not like you have never cut off somebody before. Anybody else do that or is that just me? Okay, and what about this? Are you telling me that you've never done this before? Sir, he who is without sin, let them cast the first stone, right? That's our attitude. We want mercy. Give me mercy. But what about the guy that cuts you off in the big truck with the big wheels, right? Okay, so here we go. How's it go? It goes like this. Where did you learn to drive? Right? And how it works? Are you serious right now? Are you kidding me? Honey, people are ridiculous. Can you believe the way they drive? Did it 10 minutes earlier. 10 minutes earlier. Okay? Lord, bring the fire and brimstone on these people. Right? Get them. It's the same thing. This is where Jonah is coming from. We see that in his anger and his pouting, he wants mercy, but he wants wrath for his enemies. God revealed a heart. He asked the question, do you do well to do, be angry? God revealed in his heart that he had a desire to limit the grace of God. He wanted to put limits on it. Lord, I am all for grace, but only if I approve the recipient. Lord, that person or those people do not meet my criteria. So no grace and mercy for them, Lord. Lord, I need you to be on a check with me first basis on this, right? So why don't we make sure that I line up with what you're doing, okay? God, I need you to operate in my comfort zone, right? Let's keep it safe, Lord. You ever want to keep it safe, right? I want you to be good, Lord, but I want you to be safe. God, please be who I deem you to be. This is where Jonah's coming from. We may not say these things out loud, but I think our thoughts and our actions reveal that we're somewhere on this track. And what does he say? Well, Jonah said this over and over again. How many times has Jonah said he wanted to die in this book? How many times did he say it in chapter 4? Right? I'd rather die than to watch you save these pagans. Look at verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah, and here it is, wanted God to be on his side. But God does not choose sides. Who is God about? Himself. What is God about? His glory. The question is, will you and I, as his children, as we just sang, he is worthy, will you and I, as his children, line up with that? Again, look at God's question. Do you do well to be angry? And to the chagrin of Jonah, God does not work the way Jonah wants him to. God did not conform to who Jonah wanted him to be. 
God is about what He is doing. Let me read some scriptures to you. Numbers 23, 19. You're probably familiar with all these, but let's take in the words. God is not man that He should lie, or a son of man that He should change His mind. Has He said, and will He not do it? Or has He spoken, and will He not fulfill it? Or what about this one? Romans 2, 11. For God shows what? No partiality. And then Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. I think we know the first part of this for sure. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts your thoughts. So God being merciful and gracious to Nineveh ate at the core of Jonah's flesh. It made him sick to his stomach. And what did Jonah refuse to do? He refused to yield how he felt. He refused to lay down his feelings, his bitterness. I want to read a scripture that also points to where Jonah was. It's also where Joshua was. It's also where many of us can be. But listen to this verse. Chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. We're almost done here. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, watch this. Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So Jonah's mindset was, God, you are about me. Joshua asked the question, Lord, are you on our side? And they both had the wrong mentality. God does not have sides when it comes to man. He is about one thing. He is about himself. The question is, are we about that? Now let's think about those touches. Think about this week, how many times the Spirit of God spoke to you in his word, or maybe in your car, or maybe when you were with other people, other brothers and sisters. God is making those touches, and he's gentle in making those touches, and he's working in us to teach us about who he is. Who is my God? What is his character? What are his attributes? How does he think? How does he want to live his life in and through me? Here's the question. Whose thoughts are more important? Mine 
or his. Freedom of walking in his. Joy is found in walking in his. Am I doing what I am doing or am I about what he is doing? God does not conform to who we want him to be. And our flesh can't stand that. But brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God is gently reminding us of that, gently pushing us toward that truth. That's where joy is found for us, in His glory, learning to think like Him, hiding these words in our heart, covering our time with prayer so we too can experience that. So it would be God that would be changing me and not me attempting to change God. But we've got to understand the reality that that's what the flesh desires. That's what the flesh wants. And we'll even cherry pick the truth. We'll even pull out a scripture that we like, parts of it that sound good, that go along to conforming God from who I want him to be. But God says, neither. I am for me. I'm inviting you to take my yoke. I'm not here to take your yoke. I'm inviting you to take my yoke. And I will walk with you step by step through this. You see, the Spirit is softening our heart. It's working. The Lord is working in us on a regular basis, inviting us to enter that truth. And if we hear that voice, if the Spirit of God is working on us, then the Lord would plead with us and His Word would say, do not harden your heart, but receive what I have for you. Trust in it. So we're going to take communion in a moment. And here's what I would ask you to do. This is between you and God. You can use this time however you choose. But we're going to be silent. We're going to take time to reflect because we don't want this to be snatched away. We want to understand that we're all in the same boat. We want God to do things on our terms. It's how we're wired. It, it's what happened at the fall. It's, con, con, it's been that way all the way from Adam. Satan started with a lie. Did God really say? And then the flesh goes to work. The natural mind goes to work. But we want to see ourselves the way God says we are. And we want to see God the way that he truly is. And what a blessing that is. How good is God that he would work with us in that way? How good is God that he would continue to teach us and gently push us and encourage us and discipline us and lead us into all truth? So here's the question. Where did God speak to you today? 
Where did God show you your own heart? Where did this word serve as a mirror, as a reflection of who you are or what you're doing right now? God in his mercy is either drawing us to him, calling us to him, calling us to confess to him, calling us to repent, to turn toward him and to say, God, I cannot do this. I cannot do this on my own, and I am desperate for you. And that is for us who are not believers, and that is for us who are believers. So please, I encourage you to take this time quiet before the Lord and allow the Word to do work in you through the Spirit and know that God loves you and that the Spirit is at work. Trust in that because He is. Don't quench that. So let's do this. Let me start us out with some prayer and then you just get quiet before the Lord Get your heart ready. Confess your sin. Let me remind you that this is a time for believers. This is a time for those who have trusted in Christ. The Lord's table communion is for those who are in the body, who look forward of the hope of Jesus coming. And we're going to take together. But please allow the Spirit right now to do work. Kids, can I talk to you for a moment? Some of you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, and some of you have not. But I want you to take this time quiet before the Lord and think about. Ask Jesus, show me, Lord, how I've sinned against you. Where have I not obeyed my parents? Where have I not trusted you? Where have I put me first? Because kids just like you, all the adults in this room put ourselves first. But Jesus loves you and he died for you and he wants you to know that. And we're continuing to pray for you in hopes that you will trust in the Lord Jesus. That's his work in you. And my younger brothers and sisters that are saved, take this time to be honest before the Lord and let the Spirit of God work. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we come with baggage. We come with sins that overwhelm us, Lord. Weights that we carry, God. But God, we're gathered this morning because we believe that the gospel is true. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe and trust in you, Jesus. And here's what we're asking you. We're asking you, Lord, will you please Show us how you want to use your word today. Will you show us a mirror of our hearts and bring us to a place of brokenness, a place of confession, a place of rejoicing, Jesus, in what you did on the cross for us? God, there's freedom in that. And we thank you for that. May we be encouraged this morning. May we be convicted this morning. May God... We be overwhelmed by who you are. We praise you. We thank you. We ask you to guide our time. In Jesus' name, amen.
Joshua 5 is a great place to meditate if you just need a scripture to camp on during this time. Please take one more minute, but I just want to remind you that the communion cups can be a little bit tricky, so you may want to start opening those. Father, we do not want to quench your spirit. But we know the reality is that we often do. And so we just continue to ask you as your children that you keep making those touches. That you keep inviting us again and again into the truth into relationship with you and the privilege of knowing you. Father, Jonah's reaction is a reflection of how often we, re we react. The flesh is so dangerous, Lord, and as your word says, the flesh counts for nothing. We thank you that you're continuing to change us. We thank you that you're continuing to mold us. And God, we thank you that all of this is possible because of what we're going to celebrate on Friday. Thank you for being crushed in our place, your church. Thank you for shedding your blood and covering us in it. Thank you for separating our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Thank you for clothing us in your righteousness. Thank you for taking our wrath that we deserved. Thank you that our position is having salvation in you. Father, I do pray if there's anyone who's listening, one who's watching, who has not trusted you, that God, in your mercy, that you would reveal their sinful heart, that you would show them, God, their wretchedness before you, and God, that they would turn and trust in not anything that they do, not what they do or don't do, not any checklist, but Jesus, that they would trust and hope fully in you and what you did for them. And God, most of all, we look forward to gathering together in your name, if you're willing, on Sunday and celebrating that the grave could not hold you. And because of that, we too 
are partakers of divine nature and walk in that resurrected life of yours. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. The Lord, when he was with his disciples, he washed their feet. And he gave them the bread. He broke the bread and he passed it around. And he reminded us that he wants us to remember that this bread is his body. And it was broken for each of us. He wants us to do this together in remembrance of him. So let's do that now. It says, in the same way, he took the wine, which represented his blood, the blood of the new covenant. And he says to you and I, who are his church, as we gather in his name, that we're to do this, that we're to remember his death, we're to remember his shed blood, we're to remember that we are his body in hopes that he is going to return for us, his church. Let's do that together. It's been a joy to worship with you this morning. It's been a joy to gather in the name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming together. My plan was to have a time of sharing, but I didn't let Aaron know, so we'll try again soon. <laughs> Flesh, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Have a great day in the Lord. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to audio from Foundation Life Bible Church located in Greenwood, Indiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Foundation Life Bible Church, please visit us online at www.foundationlbc.com.